get ready for the ultimate Batman team-up. It's Batman and the Joker? We'll tell you all about it next as we conclude our look at Legends of the Dark Knight, Jim Aparo, Volume 1. Straight ahead. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. In the previous episode, we took a look at those uh, Jim Aparo stories that appeared in issues 98, 100 to 102, and 104 to 108. Now we turn to those that were between 109 and 122, and again, I'm only focusing on those that I think are interesting. Death Has the Last Laugh is probably one of the more intriguing uh, titles. Front cover advertises it as the strangest team up in history, Batman and the Joker, with uh, Batman protecting the Joker from the police. That doesn't actually happen in the story, but it draws you in. Uh, actually, when the story opens, Batman is at the scene of what appears to be the Joker's latest crime, killing an entire family and leaving each one holding a Joker card. And this leads to Batman proclaiming, By God, Joker, you've done your last criminal act. I swear this time to hunt you down and destroy you like the mad dog you are. I love how Aparo sets that apart. The uh, frame is separate from opening spread, and it has Batman on a red background, which reinforces the anger. Now, when he's leaving the crime scene... Uh, Gordon reminds Batman that he can't actually kill the Joker legally. Batman says, I'm making no promises. You'd better catch the Joker before I do, if you want him alive. That's not something we're used to Batman saying, but Batman is truly ticked off, and he doesn't actually end up killing the Joker in the comic. It's a human moment and it works. However, evidence begins to emerge that maybe the Joker didn't commit the crime. And it appears that someone else has framed the Joker. And the Joker doesn't like it one bit. And we get the setup for a team-up between Batman and the Joker. I won't say how it plays out, but it is a brilliant story. With some great twists, and it also highlights the importance of Batman's relationship with Commissioner Gordon. Issue 112 is The Impossible Escape, and it features Mr. Miracle and Batman in a case that requires going into an old Egyptian tomb. There are some good twists, and what's really interesting about it is they are pretty much apart and not interacting until the final uh, few pages. Issue 113 is the 50-story killer, where a new regime comes into City Hall and Gordon is forced to retire, and Batman is uh, sympathetic, as you would always expect Batman to be. But his thought bubble shows his thoughts. Poor Gordon is getting too old. They did him a favor retiring him before he becomes decrepit. Hope someone does that uh, for me when my time comes. And immediately... 
He's informed that he is being retired as the city's defender and being replaced by the metal man. Batman continues to fight, but is given a cease and desist order. I guess that's a downside of the whole deputized agent of the law thing that Batman had going on in the 1970s. So Batman is forced into retirement until the metalmen run into something they can't handle, which, not surprisingly, doesn't take long. I'm not a huge fan of the metalmen, and this story doesn't really do enough to justify some of its silly turns. The Last Jet to Gotham is a fascinating story, because a jet carrying a key witness goes down in the ocean, and Batman contacts Aquaman to see if he knows anything about it, and Aquaman does. In fact, he brought it down. It's a solid tale that has Batman questioning Aquaman's motives uh, throughout, and they're not really revealed till the end. So it's an interesting uh, case for the Batman to look into. Issue 115 is The Corpse That Wouldn't Die. And here's the plot. Batman is uh, made brain dead in battle, so he can't finish pursuing the last suspect he was after. However, Ray Palmer, the Atom, happens to be around, so he shrinks himself inside Batman and begins dancing and manipulating Batman's synaptic nerves until he moves. And so you have uh, the Atom operating uh, Batman kind of like a puppet. And of course, Batman ends up okay by the end of the story. It's probably the silliest uh, story in this book. Grasp of the Killer Colt features a visit from the Spectre, i.e. Jim Corgan. The story is noteworthy for a couple of things. Mainly, it's that uh, Gordon just continually picks at uh, Corrigan, throws shade on him in all sorts of ways. My favorite is when Corrigan tells him that a suspect got away from him, and Gordon says, Some sleuth, guess the Batman and I will have to catch the real killers, whoever they are. And another favorite part in this story is when Batman almost uh, discloses the Spectre's secret identity because he's speaking to Corrigan and he says, Nice work, uh, Spectre. I mean, Jim. Real subtle there. This does have a little bit of spookiness with the Spectre and it works uh, as a Spectre story. May the Best Man Die is issue uh, 118 and it features Batman and Wildcat once again. In it, Wildcat's fighting a benefit bout at the prison where one of the Joker's men is being held in solitary confinement and about to crack. The warden determines that despite promising Batman and Gordon to keep the guy in uh, solitary, he's going to let him out to fight uh, Wildcat's alter ego, Ted Grant. And the Joker works in an opportunity to spread a... uh, plague that will kill everyone in the prison unless Batman and Wildcat find the solution, which involves uh, bringing in a dog that has antibodies which will counter the effects. And it ends up with Batman and Wildcat being forced by the Joker to fight one another. This is a a pretty good story. It's got somewhat of a weak ending. Uh, This 
was actually the first issue of Brave and the Bold that was monthly. Prior issues were bi-monthly, and so the story ended up having a little less room, and so the ending's a bit more abrupt than many others had been. Issue 119 I won't talk about too much, but it's Batman and Man-Bat teaming up uh, as part of an effort to bring a fugitive who'd escaped to the fictional Central American country of Santa Cruz. It's interesting because in the uh, Bronze Age, Man-Bat actually tried to become a superhero. He had his own comic book, and he also had his own uh, strip in uh, Batman Family Magazine. Apparently, the folks at DC saw the potential of him to be kind of one of these tragic Marvel-type heroes. And it's not bad. It's probably not my cup of tea, but Man-Bat is fairly interesting. And this is a decent story. Issue 120 is The Earth is Mine, which features a team-up of Batman and Kamandi. Now, if you recall, Kamandi was created by Jack Kirby. He was from a post-apocalyptic world that existed after what was known as the Great Disaster, where mankind had been forced back into caveman days. So how did Batman get there? Well, it involved an issue of Brave and the Bold number 118 that had survived the apocalypse, and by all looks, it had survived in mint condition. And that let them know about Batman. And then they use Native American magic to bring him back. And then Batman is discovered by the roaming animals uh, that are sentient and ruling the planet and thought to be an animal himself. And so he is named Captain Bat and commands the animal legions who are hunting for the humans until he can turn the tables. And he does so with the aid of a tape recorder that survived this apocalyptic event and still works. And as I said on Twitter, that makes the radio that worked on Gilligan's Island seem very plausible by comparison. Issue 121 has Batman and the Metal Man protecting the Freedom Train which was a bicentennial train that traveled through the country with exhibits of U.S. history. And that is a great part of the story. What's not so great is who the villains turn out to be. They turn out to be a group of secret Native American extremists who have lived while hiding their heritage so that they can seize the freedom train and hold the Constitution and Declaration of Independence for ransom. Yes, the plot is as bad as it sounds. But issue 122 is much better. It's the Hour of the Beast, and it finds Swamp Thing having been brought to Gotham City as part of an exhibition, with the owner of the show thinking that he can make a profit off of Swamp Thing not truly fully understanding his nature. However, when a plague of vines hits the city, Swamp Thing is blamed and it's up to Batman to save Swamp Thing and get his help to save the city. And overall, this is a great uh, story. It's what I would expect a Swamp Thing story to be. Uh, Good art, as always, with Aparo, and a good, solid, well-thought-out tale. Overall, I think there are a few things that need to be said. Bob Haney wasn't um, a perfect writer, but he's a better writer than many people gave him credit for. 
He wrote a lot of goofy stories and a lot of serious stories that ended up being a bit goofy, uh, particularly towards the early part of the 70s. However, he also wrote a lot of scary stories, stories that were genuinely good mysteries, as well as stories that were intentionally goofy and in a way that really worked. Again, he's not perfect, but he's adapted to the Bronze Age much better than you would have thought looking at the earlier stories in the Showcase Presents version. Jim Aparo's art is just uh, fantastic. It's great uh, and imaginative uh, drawing of Batman, as well as all the other characters. Raven the Bold is interesting in that it's endlessly fascinating, but you're mostly not dealing with DC Comics A-list. You're dealing with B-listers and occasionally a C-list hero. But that shows the strength of DC's overall uh, lineup that you've created these characters who can be interesting, who can play off Batman, and they're not major uh, name players in the DC universe. And I found myself just endlessly fascinating and looking forward to each day I was going to read another issue in this book. They were just a blast to read through. And so, despite some of the more problematic issues, I will give this, uh, give both Showcase Presents, Raven the Bold, Batman Team-Ups Volume 2, and Legends of the Dark Knight, Jim Aparo Volume 1, a rating of classy. There were some very good Batman stories in the 1970s, and certainly these are worth a look. They take a slightly darker turn in some cases than you saw during the Silver Age, but they're not grim dark, and I think they're definitely worth a read. All right, well, that's it for now. If you do have a comment, send it to me, classycomicsguy at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at ClassyComicsGuy, and check out our website, ClassyComicsGuy.com. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.